This morning, we are taking a break from the sermon series through the first letter of John. As I am preaching this morning what I'm calling one of my farewell sermons, those, those things that are on my heart as I approach the conclusion of my installed ministry together with you. And so this morning, we turn to the second letter of Peter, chapter 3, the concluding verse 18, let us ask the Lord to bless the reading and hearing of his holy word. Most gracious heavenly Father, we rejoice in your wonderful love for us, in the gift of your Son to be our Lord and our Savior. In his name we pray for the communion of the Holy Spirit with us, in this moment to grant us the spiritual illumination of our minds, to enlighten the eyes of our hearts, to enable us, O oh Lord, to hear your voice speaking to us today. Grant us that grace of faith whereby we may hear you in the depths of our souls through your word. To the glory of your name, amen. 2 Peter 3, 18, this is the word of God. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. And to him who loves us, who has freed us from our sins by his blood, to Jesus Christ be all praise, honor, and glory forever and ever. Amen. I chose to read 2 Peter 3.18 as a single standalone verse without its larger context because in this farewell sermon, I want to focus on it alone with the emphasis being on its imperative exhortation to us all. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Pastor John wants you to hear that in this farewell sermon and to heed that and to memorize it and to put it into practice and keep on putting it into practice in your daily life. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is an imperative exhortation, a command, if you will. But it is a command inspired by love. It is because God loves you that he commands you. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's God's word to all of us from the youngest to the eldest. It is an exhortation to spur us onward in our sanctification, our growth as Christians so that we will be faithful disciples who are continually growing into Christ-likeness, pursuing holiness, putting sin to death 
in our personal lives and seeking more and more to glorify God and to enjoy him in our daily lives in an ever-increasing measure. Well, how do we do that? How do we really put that into practice? Well, this verse does have a larger context, beginning at verse 14, which I'm not going to dig into. But this larger context basically is a warning to beware of false teaching, false teaching which twists the scriptures. So the larger context tells us that a right understanding of the scriptures, a good grasp of biblical truth is absolutely necessary for us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If we do not know the word, we cannot know him who is the word. But as we grow in our right understanding of the Bible, then we will grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And therefore, in this farewell sermon, on the basis of this verse, Pastor John wants to encourage and exhort you, you, to read the Bible every day. Now, I know that many, many, many of you are already doing what I'm exhorting you to do. So keep on keeping on. Don't ever stop. But if you're not, then get started in obedience to God's command of love. If you need a good study Bible with helpful notes, we can recommend one and we can tell you where to get it. It's real easy. Please ask. In addition to this, and these are just practical how-to application points. Many of you are participating in our Bible studies and small groups. But many of you are not. And I, I want you to know, this is, this is on my heart, this is a farewell sermon. I want everyone to know that our Bible studies and small groups afford you the opportunity to study the Bible with your friends, and members of this congregation, or to study other Christian books and other resources which are vetted by the session. They're good, quality, doctrinally solid materials. And you can, you can do this study with good leaders in our congregation under the leadership of your elders who are knowledgeable and solid in Bible and doctrine. These are healthy groups which would be good for your spiritual health and growth. And now, 
in this farewell sermon, I'm going to say, even though it might sound something like an infomercial, but I'm telling you (laughs) that our adult Sunday school class provides you with a truly excellent, exceptional, outstanding opportunity for you to learn and grow in your understanding of the Bible, Christian theology, and the living of the true Christian life. I mean, Pastor John really wishes that all of you adults were committed to the Sunday school class. That's how good it is. Just, just, just come and see. Give it a try. In addition to which, it's a really great way to get more deeply connected to the life of the congregation. That feeling of being more and more a member of the family by getting to know other members in a relaxed fellowship. And the experience of fellowship in the church and corporate worship every Sunday, yes, of course, are also essential to our growth in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But I've addressed those subjects of church fellowship and corporate worship in previous farewell sermons. Well, all of this also, of course, of course, applies to our children and youth as well. Childhood, childhood, is the very best time to begin growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Parents, your pastors and many of your friends in this congregation are here to help you and to support you in the spiritual nurture of your children and youth. Please ask. But don't ever forget that you parents are the ones who are primarily responsible for the spiritual growth and health of your children. And if you're not growing spiritually, especially fathers, if you're not growing spiritually, it is highly unlikely that your children are growing spiritually. God gives us commands because he loves us and our children. And he loves our children more than we do. So let's take that to heart. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is a command of love. In addition to studying the Bible with our heads, which is important, We also need to meditate on the scripture with our hearts. We do an awful lot of digging in to the scriptures, gaining a better intellectual understanding of them. But this is equally important. In your daily reading of the Bible, open your heart to receive the word of God personally addressed to you. Sometimes it's a good idea not not to read all the helpful notes. Helpful notes in the Bible in a study Bible are good. I, I have one. I use one on a regular basis. But sometimes it's better just to sit down with the Word and let the Word speak to your heart. 
and you do that in your heart meditation on the scripture by, by, by asking this, these, these type questions. Is this passage speaking to me about a fear or anxiety in my life? I need to turn it over to Jesus. Lord, you take over. Is this passage speaking to me about a sin in my life? I need to confess it to Jesus and ask him for the power to forsake it. Is this passage speaking to me a word of comfort in a time of affliction? I need to receive it. A word of hope in a time of sadness? I need to lay hold on it. A word of assurance in a time of uncertainty? I need to believe it. A word of wisdom and instruction at a time of decision? I need to follow it. As we meditate on the scripture with our hearts, we ought to pray, Jesus, speak to me in your word. Jesus, draw near to me and show yourself to me in this moment as I meditate on your word. Jesus, fill my heart with your grace as I meditate on your word. Jesus, Show yourself to me. Here's another example of heart meditation on the scriptures. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you these examples. There are other examples, but I'm trying to be very practical here. Another example of heart meditation on the scriptures. As you are reading through the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Put yourself in the narrative. Put yourself in the story. See yourself as that grotesquely deformed leper, the untouchable, whom Jesus touches and heals. Let that moment soak your soul. Is that you? Is that you by the roadside? The blind beggar crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And what was it like? What was it like when he gave you your sight? Meditate on that. Or are you that woman caught in adultery and hauled before Jesus for judgment? Can you, man or woman, see yourself in that scene as a person guilty of sin, any particular sin, one of your sins, awaiting the verdict of Jesus? How did you feel? What was it like when you heard him say, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. These are spiritual exercises of biblical meditation which you can do in private. 
to help you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as you open your heart to his presence in your life. That's the key, dearly beloved, opening your heart more and more and more to Jesus' presence in your life in order to experience more and more of his grace in your personal life. You see, we all, all, all of us need to grow not only in our knowledge about Jesus, about the historical facts of his life and ministry, which are important, but also, also, all of us need to grow in our personal experiential knowledge of him. Knowing the facts about Jesus is not the same thing as knowing Jesus. You have a best friend, someone to whom you're very close, whom you trust, with whom you've shared all of the ups and downs of your life? If you do, then you know, you, you really know that person. And you can tell me some of the facts about your best friend. You can share with me some character attributes about your, your best friend. But even though, even then, I will not know that person the way that you do. It's one thing to know about somebody it's quite another to know that person, to know that person's heart and soul, to have that kind of heart knowledge of that person in your own heart and soul. Well, growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is all about knowing Jesus, knowing his heart and soul experiencing his wonderful presence in an ever-growing, deepening way in your own heart and soul. It's about growing in your personal experience of Jesus in your life. And we sometimes talk about grace as though it is a thing or an abstract concept. For example, Justification by grace alone. But sinners are not saved by an abstract concept. Sinners are saved by a Savior, a person, the divine man, Jesus Christ, who suffered on a cross, died, was buried, rose again, and ascended to the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And believers in Christ are sustained, upheld, strengthened, comforted, encouraged, cheered, and kept eternally secure by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. But that's not an abstract concept. It is the very presence of a person in our lives, a person who is gracious, forgiving, forbearing, loving, kind, gentle, meek, strong, courageous, powerful, fierce, patient, helpful, generous, magnanimous, 
wise, disciplinary, and tender-hearted toward you, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, really, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is simply the presence of Jesus in our lives. To grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is to grow in our personal awareness, our conscious awareness of, and our personal openness to his presence in our lives, his loving, compassionate, wise, powerful, truthful, holy presence in our lives. And the more we become awakened to and attuned to and aware of his presence in our lives, the more we grow in our knowledge of him, knowing him, the reality of who he is in our lives. This is the Christian spiritual life, knowing Jesus Christ and experiencing his grace, his goodness, love, mercy, faithfulness, his shepherding presence and peace in our lives. It is to know the living reality, the living personal presence of the living Lord Jesus Christ in our lives today. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that brings us to those very familiar titles of Jesus found in this verse, Lord and Savior. We ought not to pass over them too quickly. This verse calls us to think of these titles in very personal terms, applying to us personally. To say that Jesus is our Lord, our Lord, is to say that he really is our master. Master. We are not our own. We belong to him because he has bought us at the price of his own precious blood. Therefore, to call Jesus our Lord is to say to him, it is to bow the knee. It is to fall on our face and say, Lord, Lord, I trust you. I surrender myself to you. I surrender my whole life to you. Do with me as you will. Master, command me with your word. I want to do your will because you are good and wise and almighty. Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. I surrender all. It is a good prayer to pray every morning and throughout every day. Lord, I trust in you. I surrender to you. Command me with your word today. And then there is the title, Savior. Do you have a personal awareness, a personal consciousness of having been saved by Jesus Christ? Now, I, I don't mean that in terms of the doctrinal affirmation that Christ died for our sins in general. I mean 
the personal consciousness that Christ died for you because of your sins, the sins with your name on them, when you were helpless, hopeless, and hell-bound. And that even now his blood cleanses you every day from all your unrighteousness when you turn to him in repentance, confession, and faith. Think about how good and merciful and faithful Jesus really is to you today. If you will regularly take some time to meditate on the reality of the reality of Jesus' sacrifice for you with your name engraved on his hands as he was nailed to the cross and his ever ready willingness and graciousness to forgive you every day. Meditate on that. You will grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's not only about what Jesus did for us in his death on the cross and resurrection from the dead 2,000 years ago, though that is foundational. It's also about what Jesus does for you every day. He is your Savior every day. He rules over heaven and earth for his redeemed people today. He works all things together for good for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. He is saving you today by pouring out his blessings upon you, delivering you from evil, interceding for you at the Father's right hand, He is with you to comfort you in affliction, to shine his light into your darkness, to lead you in the paths of righteousness, and to follow you with his goodness and mercy all the days of your life into eternity. He is acting today as your Savior in so many ways that they cannot be numbered. Meditate on these things. Think about the story of your life. Think about how Jesus, the good shepherd, Lord and Savior, has been with you, sovereignly working in and through all the ups and downs to accomplish his purposes in your life. Caring for you and protecting you, body and soul, and providing for you, body and soul, and guiding you all the way, though perhaps at times along the way you were completely unaware of his presence with you and frankly didn't even care. Meditate on these things. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. By meditating on his goodness, his mercy, his faithfulness, his love, his discipline, and his saving power in your life. He is the most important person in the story 
of your life. Finally, one last point today from Pastor John, who loves you. In the larger context of this verse, we are exhorted to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so that we will not lose our stability or steadfastness of faith. That immediately precedes the exhortation to grow so that we will not lose our stability or steadfastness. Well, here's the truth. If you live long enough in this fallen world, it's going to happen. Whatever it is. A call in the middle of the night, a diagnosis you do not want to hear, a nightmare that is real, sudden tragedy, something that wasn't supposed to happen. Relational heartbreak, trials and tribulations, problems that just don't seem to have any answer. It's going to happen. And these are times when we all would lose our stability if we have not been growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When it happens... Pastor John wants each one of you to be like that wise man who built his house upon the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded upon the rock, the rock of Jesus Christ. It's in those times, beloved, in the storms of life in this sad world, that Pastor John wants you to be able to sing from your heart, even cheerfully, not fearfully. Jesus. What a help in sorrow. While the billows o'er me roll, even when my heart is breaking, he, my comfort, 
helps my soul. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Hallelujah, what a friend. Saving, helping, keeping, loving. He is with me to the end. So, my dearly beloved covenanters, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and to Him be the glory, both now and into the day of eternity. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our wonderful Savior and our wonderful Lord. In his name we pray for the continual refreshing outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon this congregation, upon our hearts, that we might really know Jesus Christ in the power of his resurrection and live each day as citizens on earth of his eternal kingdom. To the glory of your name, amen. In response to the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, let us stand to affirm our faith in the words of the Heidelberg Catechism. Dearly beloved Christian believer, what is your only comfort in life and in death? My only comfort is that I belong body and soul in life and in death, not to myself, but to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. At the cost of his own precious blood, he has fully paid for all my sins and has set me free from the dominion of the devil. He also watches over me so well that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. Indeed, all things must work together to fit his purpose for my salvation. Therefore, because I belong 